0: Um, welcome to church, everybody. So glad you're here with us this morning. If you haven't been with us the past few weeks, uh, we just finished our series on James, and we've had a little three week break into our next series on um, the road to the cross. That makes sense, because Easter's coming, because that's very smart of you, James. And um, so, yeah, James, uh, two weeks ago, did a bit of a three dimensional um, look at what the Christian life is like up in and out. Sam gave us, where did he go? Oh, what a man. He gave us a great on how to read the Bible. Today I want to answer a big question, uh, what on earth am I here for? And uh, yeah, that may or may not be the first chapter of Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life, but um, it makes a lot of sense. So, so I want you to think about the most valuable time in your week. Who do you spend it with? Where do you spend it? Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's at church on a Sunday. Maybe it's at city group. Maybe it's your morning devotional time. Um, Chances are it's that precious little moments we have in our week that we can connect with the people that we really love, that we really care about, that we connect with God, and we connect with ourselves. And um, our work and responsibilities and other people, they kind of just steal away from us. They are the enemy that is... Uh, to steal and destroy, and Jesus has come to give us life um, that is just with him and his people. Um, But no, that, if you haven't picked up on this huge setup by now, let me spell it out for you. I would like to suggest that the most significant parts of your week are outside the four walls of this church, and maybe even outside of your Bible. Whoa, what are you, nuts? Seba, "How can you say? That? How can work be more important than church?" Uh, let me explain. If we are here on earth just to be with God and with His people, sing songs to Him, uh, to know Him and read His Word, then why are we not just beamed up to heaven like right now, or why don't we go to the mountains and become monks and monk monkettes? <laughs> we are on this earth. For a reason. Let's turn to uh, John 17, 13 to 19. It will be on the screens if you don't have a Bible. If you do, I'll give you some time to turn there. It's on page 985 of my Bible if you've got uh, Zondervan Note Taker's Bible, NIV. John 17, 13. Are we there? Yeah. Thanks, Heather. Yeah. I, Jesus praying for his disciples. I'm coming to you now, the Father. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Cool. So Jesus has sent us into the world, and he doesn't want to take us out. Even though we are not of the world, I think he says that like ten times, we are meant for something greater than this world, but He still wants us here for some purpose. He sent, them for, sent us for a reason, to do something that we can't do in heaven, that we can only do on earth. That's why we have to stay here. Um, so I want to ask, like, what's the point of all this? Like, what's the point of all this? And, and city groups, and quiet times, and all the other ministries you do, what's the point? Why are we even saved is, it, is, this, is this the Christian life? Is this the reason why Jesus, uh, why, why God left heaven and died a criminal's death and went into hell for three days and rose again miraculously? Is it just for this? There's a, a niche verse in the Bible you might not have heard it before. It's that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why are we saved? It's because God so loved the world. Guys, do you love the world? Uh, it's kind of a weird question, weird sounding question because we're so um, nailed. It's so nailed into us that the world is bad and church is good. But, but what this does, this mindset is, is we actually isolate, isolate ourselves from the world. And, and we disengage and we withdraw and we build a wall between sacred and secular. We redraw a curtain between what is holy and unholy a curtain that Jesus already torn into by dying on the cross and providing us with direct access to the Father. And this, this mindset perpetuates two challenges that are really um, posing uh, and, and modern to spreading the gospel today. And those are, um, one, the reputation of the church in society. That's a big challenge for us. And the second is the reputation of the individual Christian in society. Because um, you see what... Traditionally, what we do is uh, invest and invite. It's pretty self-explanatory. We invest in a relationship, uh, we become friends with people, and then we one day invite them to church, and it's the pastor's job to give them the gospel. Um, And that might have worked back when Hillsong was all the rage and everyone else was wearing jeans and joggers. I'm very sorry if you are in jeans and joggers this morning. But people don't see church the same way anymore. Uh, People don't think it's the solution. They actually think it's the problem. Um, So, And, and, you know, we we try to invite these people to church. But say you had a friend who had never been to church before, and you wanted them to come so that they could hear the gospel, right? It's a very common thing we want. Here's their perspective of what they're getting themselves into, okay? They're going to wake up on a Sunday morning before 10 a.m., which I don't even do, when I go here. (laughs) They're going to drive to a place they've never been before. They don't know where to park. They don't, know, um, they don't know what to wear. The only person they know is you. And, uh, and they're going to listen. Oh, they have to stand and sing out loud, sober. <laughs> and they're going to listen to some lecture from some guy for like an hour, who knows how long. Church is just so foreign to a non-Christian. And it's so unattractive because they don't find Christianity attractive. And don't find Christianity attractive because they don't find Christians attractive. Obviously not physically, because we have people like, like Cam in the room. <laughs> Think of the Christians portrayed on TV. Think of Angela from The Office. Think of Shirley from Community. If you don't know who these people are, your application from this message is to watch six seasons of each uh, and get up to speed. They are uptight, self-righteous, hypocritical um, so yeah, actually maybe pretty good reflections of Christians today. But, um, but if we want people to know the love and peace and, and joy, satisfaction, and security of Jesus, then we have to show them ourselves. They're not going to come to church anymore. Evangelism is working kind of backwards um, from the way it used to. I think uh, when cultural Christianity was a big thing, the steps used to go, uh, one, invite them to church, then get them to believe, and then get them to change behavior. But because of the way Christianity has shifted in our culture, I think we've um, flipped it around. It's gone backwards. Now we, it's it's more effective that we show them how our lives have changed. We um, we get them to believe, and then we get them along to church. So, so I'm going to spend the next few minutes uh, suggesting how we can do this, and then I'm going to try and challenge you, ask you why you don't do it without trying to make you feel too guilty. Uh, Next slide. Thanks, Quinn. Now, typically in my preachers, I rip off these big theological ideas and revelations from pastors and teachers much smarter than I. Today is no different. Um, Sam Chan writes this great book, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. Uh, It's short and sharp and practical, very accurate of um, Australian culture today if you want to read it, get more into this stuff, highly recommend it. He describes uh, two approaches to evangelism that are pretty self-explanatory as well. The first one is um, friend evangelism and the second is proclamation evangelism. Friend evangelism um, should be all familiar, uh, not should be, but a lot of us are familiar with the idea that it's better to become friends with someone uh, to witness through action and then one day tell them about Jesus. But I think the more that we do this, um, the more worried we become that we're going to scare them off with that conversation so we never actually do it. And then the second uh, approach, proclamation evangelism, it says that you haven't um, actually evangelized unless you specifically and verbally outlined the gospel. And uh, usually this is with a stranger on, on walk-up or street ministry uh, because you'll never see them again. You can go straight to the gospel. But in reality... Like no one wants to spend their time, their free time on the street talking to strangers, so we never do that either. Sam Chan um, suggests this approach he calls friends evangelism plural. And uh, he acknowledges that we have these walls that we put up these walls between sacred and secular. And and uh, we tend to have Christian friends and non-Christian friends, and not just friends but whole worlds. Um, and when we do this we make ourselves the odd one out, and um, it makes it much harder to believe a story. A story is very hard to believe when no one else in your community believes it, right? A story, whether true or false, is hard to believe if no one else in your community believes it. But when we merge our Christian and non-Christian worlds, we have many Christian friends engaged with many non-Christian friends And and I'm not just talking about um, a debate or an outreach or an event, although those can be helpful. I'm saying that you have things that you do with your Christian friends and you have things you do with your non-Christian friends. Like, why? Why is that a thing? There's no us and them because evangelism is a process in which we point to our shared common humanity, right? Evangelism is a process in which we point to our shared common humanity. Remember that, um, our passage, John 17, um, Jesus ascended to heaven, but he, he got us to stay here so that we could be Jesus in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. And what did Jesus do when he was on earth? He, um, well, what did Jesus do on earth that we should continue, right? Well, a lot of the time he was just hanging out with uh, Pharisees and tax collectors and sinners and, and people he got a reputation for being a drunkard and a glutton, a friend of sinners, just because he hung out with him so much. So why don't you turn with me to Luke 5.27. Um, I was going to make this like a key, an anchor passage for today, but I ended up going with John, but that's how important it is. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there it is, 5.27. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You notice that Jesus hangs out with these guys, but he still calls them sinners. Uh, Jesus teaches that you can associate with non-Christians, but not approve of their lifestyle. Like how huge is that? You can... You can love someone and disagree with them. Um, Because you see, if we eat only with people that we agree with, like what kind of love is that? It's conditional. It's exclusive. um, It is discriminatory. And if we eat with people and approve of their life that is heading towards destruction, what kind of love is that? It is grace without truth. See, Jesus um, ascended into heaven but he got us to stay in the world so that we would engage with the world that he loves. Hang out with them, play sports with them, be hospitable to them, go to their stuff, even if it costs us, even if it's not our favorite thing to do. I love how um, someone in this church is saying how every week at, at work they have like Friday night drinks, and um, it's not really their thing, like they'd rather be at home with their Christian wife on a, at night in on a Friday. Um, But he's just been convicted that, um, you know, hanging out with these people on a Friday is what Jesus would do. Not because he likes them more than he likes his wife, but because um, Jesus has torn the curtain in our lives between sacred and secular. It's important to note that um, the goal after hanging out with these people... um, is not to invite them to church or a one-off event. This is a lifestyle change. This is actually the lifestyle of Jesus. And so, what is our next slide? Part heart of the matter, yeah. Um, that's the how. I've gone a little ahead of schedule. I'll give you the application in about 10 minutes earlier than I should have, but track with me here. Are you still with me? Yeah. Thank you. Um, because this is where I'm kind of going to rip in. This is... Um, this is the hard part because some of us know all this already. Some of us want this, but we, don't, we still don't do it. Uh, and why is that? Like, I myself, why am I? I think it's because we genuinely like, don't believe it. We don't believe that God will save our friends. We know He can. Uh, we know that He does in the past, just not my friends. And yeah, if I'm totally honest, this is like, this is 100% me. I've, I've done a fair bit of evangelism my time. And um, honestly, like I've probably seen more people walk away from faith than I have seen people come to saving faith. Um, and it really like confuses me. I thought this is what God wanted. I, think, I thought this is why I was on earth. I thought this was the one thing I could do that mattered into eternity, Right. Micah 6 8. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I heard someone say once that obedience is your responsibility, outcome is his. Right? Obedience is your responsibility, and outcome is his. If you know the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, you can look it up in 1 Kings 18 if you haven't. Uh, He has this showdown against the prophets of Baal. Um, He says to Israel, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Uh, But the people said nothing. So he says, okay, why why don't you guys prepare an altar for your God? I'll prepare an altar for my God. Don't light them, don't set fire to them. Um, we'll call on our gods, and if, uh, you know, whoever's God answers with fire, then their God is the true God. And so they do that. Uh, the Baal, God doesn't answer, and God does. He sends fire. Um, and it is this very clear illustration that it is God who sends the fire, but Elijah still has to build the altar. Right? God sends the fire, but we still have to build the, altar. the gospel belongs to God. Let's not get this wrong. But he chooses to use us to tell it. That is why we are still here on earth. Okay, if you haven't been following for the past little bit, uh, let's bring it in. Um, I'm going to wrap up. Uh, maybe Sam and Beck. Or just Beck. Uh, <laughs> you got <any> more <laughs> <laughs> um Right, we started with the question, why are we here? Why aren't we just beamed up into heaven? It's not so that we can run the perfect church service for us and other believers. It's so that we can love the world like Jesus. And how did Jesus love the world? He engaged with them. He didn't withdraw. And in costly sacrifice, he tore that curtain between sacred and secular. And why don't we do it? Well, maybe it's because... We don't believe God will save. To which God says, I've called you to obedience. I've got this. This is my mission. I just need you to keep walking humbly. Uh, An outcome is my responsibility. I'm going to pray maybe for like 10, 20 minutes while they sort this out. Uh, to wrap up, thank you, God for saving us. Thank you for your great love, that you loved the world so much that you give us your one and only Son. Thank you for um, providing us access to the Father. By, uh, thank you for tearing the curtain that divided us, um, divided the holy and unholy. We thank you for bringing us to you. We are sorry for um, ignoring your calling for us on earth, we're sorry for minimizing the work that we have to do. We're sorry for loving people conditionally, uh, for only eating with people that we agree with. We pray, God, that your spirit would enable us to um, tell of all sorts of people to be Jesus here on earth. We pray that um, yeah, you give us faith, to believe that you can and will save our family and friends. Yeah, please help us to walk humbly, knowing that it's your mission. Amen.